Welcome to the Push Performance Podcast. Episode 46. DJ is unfortunately not here to grace us with his presence. So today we have Taylor and Brandon and Ashton on the podcast today. Yes. Um, How are brackets doing so far? March Madness brackets. So far, so good. (laughs) 2-0. We're 2-0. we're two games in. We're two games standing. I am the same. Two and zero. Oh. Ashton, how are we doing? One. I've lost one. One. Who was your upset? I had South Dakota State winning. Oh, you had faith on that in that one. one. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I was telling Taylor, <laughs> and then I saw one person say that they had hope in them, and so I just ran. Yeah, it started strong. They, yeah. they fought in the beginning. Someone said they had like one of the best offenses in the country. Like I think three that was point, like they what shoot like fifty percent from three point. And I was like, you know, was, they might uh, be I'm the in, team. I mean, I trust, I trust the analysts. That was Colorado State in the first half. They were draining threes left and right. And I had Michigan. I was like, oh, that's not good. Yeah. Oh yeah. I won with Michigan. Michigan but. finished that one. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know if there's gonna be whole. I guess we'll see on the upsets. There's always upsets. As long oh, as what you're wearing. Tell the people what you're wearing. Oh yeah, I'm wearing my Gonzaga jersey that Casey Legamina got me. Shout out Casey Lagamina. Um, so yeah, we're rocking the Zags today. Hopefully they don't get upset. That would really ruin my week next month. Um, but a repeat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah they, yeah, they played. I watched a video this morning and they like talked about like or Gonzaga posted like redemption and they were talking about then they went through like the past like four years where they got they lost in the final four, or they lost in the elite eight, and it's just like just heartbreak. Just, just sad. watching that all over. It's so it's so sad. Um, so kind of getting into today a little bit, um, I know we were going to start and talk a little bit about, um, scheduling with the high school guys, the college guys, and some of our like university D1, D2 guys, just cause they all have different schedules. Um, I played at JUCO division one, Brandon played JUCO, Juco and then mm-hmm. NAI. Um, and so I know that we all, I mean, we probably both had different schedules playing wise and practices throughout the week and lifts and stuff like that. So we're just kind of going to get into that a little bit and, and then kind of throw it into how we kind of work with our athletes in that, in that side of things um, and kind of manage that. So Brandon, kind of what was your schedule? You played Juco first. What was kind of your weekly schedule in Juco when you were playing? So we're talking strictly in season, right? Yeah, just, yeah, only yeah. in season. So um, basically it was manager workload class wise. Um, you know, obviously it's tough when you're in season, you're traveling. Um, Juco is a little different because it wasn't super, super long bus trips. You know, you're basically playing schools that are kind of somewhat close to you, depending on, you know, your geographical location. So our bus trips weren't, weren't major. I think our longest one um, was probably 11 hours, 12 hours. Um, and we'd make that like once a year for a big trip. Um, but otherwise it was, you know, basically you're just trying to stay as healthy as you can, um, staying on top of your academics and then just trying to prioritize as much time as you can to focus on, you know, baseball. That's what you've been preparing for, for, you know, all year you went through your fall, you went through the winter. Now you finally got to spring. So it's kind of go time now. So, you know, trust what you did all off season, um, going into end season. Sometimes guys are early in the season, quick to, you know, hop off the, the train or the boat and, make quick changes because it's you know they don't necessarily start right away the way they'd like to so they initially kind of you know maybe change direction where it's just like no you you know you've been working all off season kind of maybe trust that a little bit longer you know don't don't change right away um but then you know the biggest thing is is you know stay healthy um and you know just make sure you're spending the time in the right places basically you know have your circle small make sure you're the people you're hanging out with are the people you should be hanging out with 
Um, obviously, you know, sometimes, in, you know, JUCO, there could be off-field activities that can, you know, create issues or team chemistry problems. So, you know, it's just basically know what you're there for and prioritize it basically is the biggest thing. Uh, it's what it comes down to. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the chemistry stuff and a lot of the stuff that like you were talking about, like definitely applies to all levels. So, yeah, so a lot of stuff that you were just mentioning, Brandon, I know that like a lot of people go through like the D1 the JUCO level, the NAI level, like all levels, other than probably the travel part, which might get a little bit tougher um, kind of as you work up levels and especially NAI because you don't get to fly. And I think same with D2, you have to drive a lot more than you have to fly. But um, but and when you were playing, did you have a – at your JUCO, did you have a strength coach? No. So that was that was a thing too is um, our pitching coach was kind of our strength coach. Um, so – he kind of had a background in, you know, exercise science, but obviously he was a basically a player coach that he just got done playing like two years ago. <clears throat> you know, so he was only maybe a couple years older than us, you know, teaching stuff that he was kind of currently, you know, learning at the time. So in a sense, we were kind of almost as guinea pigs um, as, a, you know, he was using our careers almost as guinea pigs in a way because, you know, he was only maybe a year or two into being a coach himself. And, you know, he was mostly a pitching coach. He, he knew a lot about pitching, but strength side obviously was kind of, you know, something he was trying to just piece together. Um, so that's where in the spring it became really crucial because that's where, you know, the weightlifting stuff kind of came down to on your own type mm -hmm. thing where it's, you know, if you know, if you're a starting pitcher, which is what I was in Juco. So I knew I was always going to be starting, you know, either Friday or Saturday or whatever the series was. So I had to basically set up my weightlifting schedule around that because for the most part, your starts are always going to stay your starts. Um, unless obviously, you know, like I played in the Midwest, you get weather quite a bit. So sometimes stuff would get kind of changed around. So you're kind of having to pay attention to weather reports. You know, your coaches are staying in touch with the other coaches and umpires. So obviously make sure, you know, that you're not staying, you know, coming all the way down to like a game time decision. Um, but for the most part, it's like, you know, you're going to start probably one game of the series, you know, um, so you always got to prepare for that. And then basically post-start, you know, get whatever post rolling you needed to, then be a good teammate in the dugout. And then as soon as the series was over, it was just basically right back to the start the process over, you know, day one post start, you know, you're starting the, the recovery process again, depending on what, you know, you kind of had programmed. So like, you know, like I said, our pitching coach didn't really have a whole lot on the strength side. So it was kind of, you know, do some band work, run pulls, do some sprints, maybe a light toss. And that was kind of like your day one recovery. So it was super kind of generic. Um, there was really no tons of structure to it, but it was better than also just, you know, sit there, do nothing and let you get more sore. Uh, so that's kind of the biggest thing you want to kind of pay attention to is, you know, that post day throwing, if you're a pitcher is, you know, you just want to make sure you really start that recovery process sooner than later. Um, so make sure the day after you start or you throw, you know, get out there, you know, do some dynamic stuff, get moving around. Uh, one of our pro guys had a really good saying this um, off season with one of your guys was Taylor. He said, motion is lotion. Um, so that was something that was really good, you know, like you might be really sore that post day, but get out there and just do something, you know, whether it's just rolling around on the ground, you know, literally like just stuff like that is just going to literally get your body, you know, feeling a little bit better, even, you know, you know, especially early in the season when, you know, you might not necessarily be fully ramped up and your coach maybe runs you out there and throws you more than you should have probably thrown that next day, you're probably going to be a little more sore than you need you're used to. So that's where you really got to prioritize the recovery is early, early in the season. Uh, Cause you know, come midway end of the season, that's when all those kind of nagging injuries and stuff kind of start to, to pop up. So the best way to try and, you know, get ahead of those is, you know, start early in the off early in the season to, to get ahead of those. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know for like my personal experience, not so much 
um, when I was at Gonzaga, but in JUCO, everything was so like our lifting, um, our head coach started lifting. Um, and so it was very structured through the fall, through the winter. And then as soon as we got to spring, it was like, he had so much on his plate from game, game scheduling, all doing a handling, all the pitching stuff that the lifting stuff just kind of came by the way setting kind of came into our own hands. So I know for a lot of the JUCO guys that I have, um, and like some of the, or my, my brother being an NAIA guy and then a couple of the D1 guys um, that are kind of, they're just, they, they end up come springtime. They just do, don't know what to do um, from a lifting standpoint. So being able um, for us, I mean, even for me, like for some of the guys that don't may not particularly like train with us right now, full time, those guys, like I still try to reach out and have conversations with about what they're doing, if they need help scheduling, um, and any of that stuff, like some of the spring training guys that are so far, um, some of the younger guys, they just don't know what their schedules need to look like. They don't have a plan. And so trying to kind of be a resource for them and allowing and giving them something that like we probably didn't really have because it just kind of came on us for what we were doing lifting wise. Um, but for kind of moving into some of the high school kids down here, at least when, like when I was in Washington, it was very easy to schedule everything out because we only played for this times during the year <laughs> and same in Colorado. Cause it's, it's cold, it's rainy, it's yep. snowy. It's you only play whereas down here, they play all the time. And so kind of, and I, I think we've kind of touched on an earlier podcast talking about how much the guys play during the fall um, and then kind of playing during the winter, but then we kind of get this small little ramp up period during the winter for the spring in between them playing, them not playing, and then by, by the time trials start back up. So kind of getting into, like, the high school kids a little bit more, um, just because that's the bulk of what we have right now and the kids that we're working with. Um, what are, I guess, for, like, your goals with certain high school kids? And we have different high school kids that are different levels. We have the younger kids, the freshman team kids, the JV kids, and then the varsity kids. And then we have, like, our guy group of guys that are committed and stuff like that. Do you have different goals or different, like, priorities for each kid or things that you're trying to accomplish with each kid from like maybe not so much like a movement standpoint but like but like from a strength standpoint or like something we're trying to accomplish like performance wise or something like that like in season specifically because everyone thinks in seasons like oh, i just need to maintain but for like these kids they don't have a whole lot of time in the winter to build that up so it's kind of going to continue during the spring so i want to know your thoughts on that no yeah i um like see exactly where you're coming from with that, especially with the, the high school, like you said, um, the high school baseball or, you know, the youth baseball scene here in Arizona is completely different than what it is in Colorado, you know, Midwest States, you know, like you even mentioned back in like Washington, um, you know, me being from Colorado my whole life and just being out here for the last two years. I mean, I remember the first day walking into the gym here, it was a night and day difference of high school baseball versus Colorado baseball. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just like you said, it's just the year round exposure these guys get to on field work or skill work versus, you know, where if you're in a Midwest state, you know, eight months out of the year, the ground's frozen or covered in snow and you can't get that extra little skill work. So those, you know, the high school guys here, I would say a little bit more polished or refined. Um, but with that, we also see a ton more, I feel like nagging injuries with a lot of these high school kids, a lot more lower back injuries shoulder growth we've seen a lot more like shoulder growth plate elbow growth plate stuff with the youth youth baseball players so nice. i don't know how many kids we've had in the last just two years seek us out from 
you know, they, they weren't originally training with us. They, they seeked us out because, you know, at 11 years old, 12 years old, they've been shut down by the doctor because they play way too much baseball at 11 years old. And their, their gross play in the elbow is yeah. absolutely fried. Or, you know, some of these kids have lower back issues already. And, you know, they're 12, 13 years old just from the, the volumes of swings they're taking. Or, you know, just like you said, the constant change of season just going into the next season where there's like no prep time for that season it's like yeah. you know you, you might have maybe prepped for fall ball but that fall ball then went into winter ball so what did you do to prep for winter ball playing fall ball doesn't prep you for winter ball you know and then yeah. the spring and then so. they literally go on summer travel ball like and, clubs, and it's, so and that's it where never it's zero never so it's yeah. like yeah the, the skill set and the skill level I, I would say is definitely above you know the midwest on average you know obviously they get play a lot more they yeah get a lot you more know and that's, and that's comes with being out on the field but then obviously like I, I would say all the years i spent in colorado we didn't nearly see as many elbow shoulder or like lower back injuries in the, the lower level kids or even mm -hmm. high school kids just because you know we're not throwing nearly as much or if you're throwing you're throwing into a net and that volume, intensity, and stress is probably going to be a little bit different than, you know, a kid that has a catcher and he's on the field and he's thrown in a showcase because he's, you know, doing it every single weekend. Um, but I think the biggest thing with the, the high school kids for me right now is just um, it depends on the kid. Um, I have some athletes, you know, they're a little bit maybe younger than the freshman, sophomores. So their, their structure of program is going to be a little bit different than, say, maybe your junior, senior, who's, you know, maybe looking at the, you know, maybe talking to D1 guys already or the kid that's a bubble guy. <clears throat> and he's, you know, even considering if he wants to play at the next level type thing. Mm -hmm. So I think it comes down to the individual athlete of like what you're going to work with them um, program wise. Um, Cause like right now I had one kid for the last year and a half, two years, you know, he's been a middle infielder, corner infielder. And now this year he's two and zero on the mound and is the team's ace as a pitcher. So it's like his program is kind of now significantly taking a big change. Cause it's like, he's not necessarily being used as an infielder by his team anymore. So it's like, we don't want to necessarily train them as such, you know, it's like, all right, if you're going to be throwing six, seven innings, you know, every week or, you know, you're getting those consistent starts. It's like, all right, we maybe need to make some changes to your program to resemble that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that right there is where, you know, I think it just kind of comes down to the athlete or, you know, if maybe it's the older guy, then it's like, all right, maybe we just need to prioritize, you know, certain maybe kind of shrink the, what we're going to work down on. Cause you know, the younger guys, their strength and, you know, overall can just go up, you know, mm -hmm. If kids 115 pounds, there's a lot of stuff we can work on in season and out of season. Mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe the guy's a little bit older and bigger, then it's like, all right, let's, you know, prioritize what we really want to work on, focus on just a few things. So that way you're not wasting a lot of extra brain effort or thoughts on that. And you can just focus on baseball and all that other stuff as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it just kind of comes down to the, the athlete and, you know, what their team has planned for them and then kind of what your athlete wants to do, what he feels like he needs. Um, and then you just got to kind of structure it that way a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I know <clears throat> kind of like the difference in between like working with guys in the off season here versus working guys in the off season in Utah or Washington or Oregon or any of those. It's like, I feel like you during the off season, you get so much more, you get to see more of a jump with those guys that completely or like baseball just comes down to a minimum baseball, their baseball skill stuff kind of falls to the wayside to the weight room. And so you get to see a lot more of a jump in that skill and the strength and the movement portions with those kids in the off season compared to like, so like you get to see like each year in and year out, okay, like you made a huge jump from last year to this year from fall baseball to spring baseball. Whereas here, 
are feel like our improvements and our changes are a little bit more of like a consistent just you have to consistently build build on those blocks because mm-hmm. you can't it's not going to happen in a in a like you're going to make a huge jump in a one month span. Yeah, you're for, especially with the older kids. Four month period here with yeah. the guy where he's you know shut down completely. Unless you know maybe he's injured and yeah, then yeah. it's like all right, you yeah. get him for a few you get full time period. But yeah, like you said, it's just the the jumps between the I I, I know what you're saying like the Colorado jumps or yeah. yeah yeah so I yeah I know like from like a our perspective sometimes it can be a little bit tougher because like you may not see some like like when people come in and parents come in, they want to see, okay, how hard is my kid going to be throwing in a month? I'm like, I can't, I can't promise you anything. That shouldn't be your goal. He's, he's still playing games and he's pitching in games. Like, so I like, it's, I know. I mean, it's it's a question we get all the time and it's just as a parent, it's like, is, you know, your kid's 12 years old. Is is your goal to have your kid maxed out at 12 years old? Because what's the, what's the point of how hard is he going to throw in one month? Whereas it's like, he's got his whole life ahead of him. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like, you shouldn't be looking for that. And then it's what it is. It's that quick fix or that quick, you know, because like my kid has to this hard, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, it's like, what can you do to get my kid throwing harder in a month? And it's just like nothing like, right. you know, like we can teach him to move better, you know, and get him stronger, but yeah. it, it, it might make him throw harder. It might not. It just, yeah. you know, there's no guarantee. And for us to guarantee that that's also just it, not right either. Too, like, like you said, when, guys are playing every weekend but they want to jump but they don't have time to train or like actually do it <laughs> yeah. like well you're playing every weekend so it's hard I, I mean I see that on the other side too so yeah if we're trying to make like movement changes in the weight room but what got you hurt in the first place is the way you're moving on the field you're automatically like one day in the weight room isn't going to change how you move on the field you're just going to fall back into those tendencies mm-hmm. right away as soon as you get back on the field so it's kind of just kind of just beating your head against a wall because you can't make any huge changes or any movement changes or improvements on that side of things, especially mm-hmm. when kids are playing so much. So kind of the things that we do, it's like, rather than trying to tackle all these things at once in the weight room here, it's like, let's pick one thing. Let's change this, go after this, fix this. And then from there, like your lowest hanging fruit, then from there, okay, next step, let's take care of this. Let's take care of this. Let's take care of this. Cause trying to, trying to fix the kids speed, hip IR strength, four five six different things at one time while the kids on the field six days a week is you're not going to get a whole lot done so yeah. trying to trying to pick those low-hanging fruits and seeing what two things you may be like what two two birds you could kill with one stone kind of thing so trying to pick the like direct your exercises based off of that um yeah go ahead i was just gonna say you know don't change what you did all off season as soon as you get in season you know, like yeah. if you're you're focusing on hip extension or you're focusing on T-spine rotation or you're focusing on T-spine extension in the off-season, mm. that should still somewhat be your focus on the in-season. It's not like we get in-season, let's completely get crazy and start, you know, doing things that we've never even done before because mm-hmm. it's in-season training. It's like you said, it's take what we've done, simplify it, mm-hmm. and then completely grow off of that is what yeah. your in-season training should almost look like. It's, yeah. You know, if you were doing – you know, box jumps out of season, then why would you go do some other crazy, you know, jump variation in season? It's, you know, they should still correlate with one another. Like your off season work should be your prep work for your in season work. Yeah. You know, and that's where I think guys get caught up too, is where it's like, I can't lift in season. It's like, no, you've been lifting all off season. Yeah. You yeah. can still continue to lift in season. It's like, you just have to dial it. Like you just have to dose it right. Yeah. You know, cause like, yeah, your stress, your, your workload went up maybe on the field, 
But that means we just take maybe a little bit of workload out of your, your gym work, but you can still be in the gym because you've already been doing it. Yeah. You know, your body's used to that stress. But if you completely change it and go a different direction, then yeah, then that is where I think some injuries do arise. It's like where I think some of the young kids or even some of the older guys are like, I got to do something different. I'm in season now. Yeah. And it's like, no, you, that would be probably one of the worst times to do something completely different. It's like you've been doing something for, you know, say seven, eight months. Mm -hmm. And then now it's time to actually really dial in and, you know, trust what you've been doing. And you just flip the switch on your body. And now your body's just like, well, well, what are we doing? Like, yeah. So I feel like that sometimes are some of the issues too, is when kids get into season is they, they change what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to keep doing something, but they just completely change it. And that's just a whole new stress on the, the body and the body's not ready for it. Plus then you go into in season work and now that's another new added stress. And that's where I feel like sometimes early season, you know, injuries pop up. It's just because guys make way too many changes of things as well versus just, you know, keep things similar or on pace and then slowly progress. What's yeah. an example of like dialing it back? Like if someone's on like a three times a week schedule and they still want to do similar stuff, but like, what would that look like? Just as an example, I know it's all different, but like, let's say it's a pitcher and he is throwing once a week or something like that. That I think that'd just be interesting. Like, what does that look like from a vague perspective does that make sense yeah i would yeah i kind of what i've been doing with guys and like i've had guys like some of the high school kids sit down with me like the kids that haven't gone through like a full year with me yet or like some of the remote kids and they're like okay what is my in season gonna like how's it gonna change mm -hmm. and i'm like well like these exercises are gonna stay in there as like you're literally it could be as simple as just changing like volume gotcha. so like changing volume. from things like if you get like your main exercise into like a four set or five set block or five, four or five set scheme. And then you're like, oh, good. We're literally just going to drop it down to three sets. Like, because everybody's first like thought process is like, okay, I've been trap bar deadlifting 315. I, I'm only allowed to do 225 in season. It's like, okay. But like at that time, like we're, we're not going to get any better doing that. Yeah, you're, not, you're, gonna, you're not going to maintain anymore. You're yeah. You're not going to maintain. Any, yeah. You're not going to maintain anymore. Like just because you hit a certain strength level doesn't mean you're going to keep it. Like you have to right. keep pushing that envelope and keep trying to work towards that. So generally volume, volume, um, tempo work usually goes down. I say, I think a couple of like the types of movements too, like usually you want to steer, steer clear of like, you know, heavy centrics, like tons mm -hmm. of eccentric movements. Cause that's yeah. going to leave the, the muscles a little bit more sore. Yeah. Um, and then limiting just your, your foot ground contact as well. Cause obviously practice times, game times, all of that stuff goes up. So you yeah, obviously you probably want to try and dial that. Like again, this is another volume thing. Like Taylor yeah. said, yeah. Is you just want to dial that, that foot to ground contact down just a little bit too. So maybe dial your jumps back a little bit. Um, if you're not, you know, if you're getting the running and stuff at games of practice, then you should probably maybe dial that back a little bit in your, your programming or your training. Um, but if you're not running, um, heavily at practice and you know, the games are pretty minimal, then still obviously keep that up a little bit. Um, yeah. you know, you're still going to want to maintain your, your sprint mechanics and your, your speed work. But obviously, you know, if you feel like uh, your practice or coaches, you know, running you into the ground and then, you know, you feel like you do a good amount of running at the games and obviously then dial that back. But yeah, it's just basically just controlling your volume, I would say. It's kind of the big thing. And then just knowing kind of the, the types of movements to, to do and stay away from. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and I think that kind of goes into, like, pitchers versus position players, too. So like, right. position players are going to be on their feet, base running, taking ground balls. Like, they're going to be – everything they're doing on the field is dynamic. So mm -hmm. bringing them in and be like, okay, we're going to jump and we're going to sprint. It's like, probably not. Like, right. if you feel good – if you come in and you did not do a whole lot of running or a lot of – like – that dynamics of practice, sure, let's do some jumps mm -hmm. and call it good. But 
that's kind of where like in those guys' program, I'll put it in there, but I'll set I'll like put it under like an optional category. So it's like if you feel good, do it. If you come in and you're like, I don't wanna, yeah. then don't then yeah. don't do it. Whereas right. the pitchers, those guys, they have a specific generally like not so much in high school, I feel like, but like at the JUCO level or D1 level or, or the pro level, like they have, they know when they're throwing each week. Right. So then it makes it a little bit easier on our part, I would say, to kind of schedule things out of when they're jumping. Cause then you kind of become in like, you know exactly what's happening every week. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas position players, it's, they could have 10 ground balls in a game. They could have one ground ball in a game. They could have six diving catchers. They could have no diving catchers. So it's like, right. It's kind of hard to kind of manage workload with, uh, or it's not hard, but it's, um, you have to generally take your foot off the gas a lot more with position guys. Whereas with the pitchers, it's like, you can afford to kind of keep it on a little bit just because you know their schedule when they're throwing Mm -hmm. Um, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, And I would say the the older level guys too, like you said, the, you know, if you're at a university or even, you know, if you're like a a decent Juco, um, you know, and you're a pitcher for the most part, like you said, you know, when you're going to, you're going to start so you can always, like you said, structure your your program around that a little bit more. Um, and I think it's also easier to maybe even program for those guys as well because they kind of understand when you tell them that less is more. Right. So like sometimes it's a lot easier to explain to an 18 to 20 year old like, hey, like I want you to go heavy, but I don't need you to like, you know, one rep, one yeah. rep max. Whereas yeah. sometimes the high school guys think you're almost like stopping their games. I feel like sometimes yes. the high school guys here are on both opposite ends of the spectrum. It's either I don't want to lift at all because I don't want to get sore, or it's if I'm lifting, I'm lifting and I'm going as heavy as I possibly can. Yeah. And if you tell me no, then I think you're stopping me from getting stronger. And it's like, no, I'm telling you to do less because your form looks like crap. You're in season and you know, you're, you're gonna exhausted. get way more, yeah, yeah you're gonna get way yeah. more out of it if you take literally just 20 pounds off that bar. I'm not yeah. telling you you have yeah. to go, you know, tens on the bar, but it's like Basically, it's, you know, like, I feel like the high school kids, it's, you know, option in the spectrum where it's like, I don't want to lift at all. I don't want to get sore. I have a game in three days. And it's like three days, you have yeah. two and a half days to completely recover <laughs> yeah. from a lift before you have to be game ready. Like you've lifted before and thrown a bullpen the next day. I've seen you do it. Right. Like, and now, now you can't lift at all because you have a game in a week. Like, yeah. what are we doing? Or it's the other end with the high school kids where it's like, all right, I'm lifting. I'm going to go as heavy as I can. That's why I'm here. Yeah. And it's like all right, that's great for, you know, maybe off season still to only an extent if your form can like right. maintain yeah. what we're doing. Um, but yeah, I think the the older guys, it's a little bit easier to kind of convey that like, Hey, like get a good lift in, like, you know, get a yeah. pump, but like maintain like an RPE of like maybe say a seven mm-hmm. versus a 10. Whereas like a high school kid, it's like, like, screw that. I'm, I'm going 10 right. yeah. or I'm not going to lift at all. So it's just like, I feel like sometimes yeah. too, with the older guys, it's just a little easier to make that connection with them when it's in season too. Mm-hmm. just be like, Hey, like, you know, you know, your body, you know how you feel. If you're throwing Friday, Monday, Wednesday, do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Thursday, I'm sure your coach will maybe have some pre throw or, you know, a lot of times with pitchers the day before their start, I kind of let them do their thing. Cause I know as a, as a starting pitcher, I had my own like yeah. whole pre-day routine as well. They didn't and, want anybody coming in and changing with that. It, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, we all had a routine, whether it was like headphones in, you know, whatever it was. But, um, so I usually pitching guys, especially when they're older, you know, I let them have the day before to do whatever they need to do the day of. Um, but if they have questions then I'll obviously I'll answer them. But yeah. for the most part, it's like, I kind of give them, cause you know, if they're a senior in college, they, they probably have a pretty good idea of what they need to do the day before the start. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they, obviously if they, they want to reach out and ask questions and that's obviously why we're there. 
Um, but I usually try and not be a distraction to those guys. You know, mm -hmm. it's just like, hey, go go do what you need to do. You know, if you need anything, I'm here. But for the most part, day before the start, just focus on your start, you know, go out there and throw well. Um, but yeah, I think that's just the biggest thing too, is with, between the high school and, you know, yeah. even those little bit older guys is just being able to control their intensity in season and, you know, have a little bit better connection with them. Yeah. And I think that's a lot harder to do when you, when you have those, both those two kids on opposite ends of the spectrum and you're like, you don't get to see it like with the remote kids, you don't get to see them move every day. So you're like, okay, why is this kid keep getting hurt in the weight room? Or like, why does this thing keep popping up or mm -hmm. why is he not throwing any harder? And so it's like, that's, it's, it was a lot easier to work with that here because with those guys that like to overshoot, you can watch them be like, okay, that's it. You like set three. You, I know you have four sets, but set three, you're done. Like that was good. Yeah. Done. Mm -hmm. And then the other kids, the, the, the kids that are on like the bottom side of the spectrum that don't like to lift those kids, you can sit down and have a conversation with and talk about how many months they have to develop before college. Like you have five months left, like, and you are way below where you need to be before college. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's definitely a lot tougher. I found with the remote kids. Um, but just like sitting down and like trying to like, when we do the assessments, or at least when I do my assessment, like trying to have that like honest conversation off the bat and let them know, like, listen, this is where you're at. This is where you need to be. And then like, usually through like the first week, first, first or the first one or two programs, like first eight weeks, I, I know that we both, Kind of talked about and we can figure out what kind of athlete we have on our hands whether they're going to overshoot whether they're going to undershoot and then from there we kind of go about programming or go about like how we're going to communicate with this athlete specifically and i think you just hit the nail on the head right there was just knowing the type of athlete you have mm -hmm. uh, whether he's in-house or remote um i think that's a really big one um is you know like i said it's hard initially if they if they're remote to start you know we only get to do the assessment you know over the phone or facetime or whatever it is um, and then sometimes like we've been kind of dealing with it right now. We had a couple of remote kids start, you know, last week or two weeks ago and uh, we've been pulling teeth trying to get videos from them. And then we got videos and they weren't even like kind of close to, to right. So it's just yeah. like, all right, well, I mean, at least you're, at least you're in the gym and, right. you know, kind of getting after it. But it's like, so, you know, um, that's where like we've been kind of saying is like, you know, the more videos they send us, the better, you know, can really help. So more is going to help them. Like it's going to help us, but it's going to help them. And that's what I think. And that's where I think they, that's where the, the athlete sometimes does understand too. It's like, you know, the videos aren't necessarily for you. They're for us. Yeah. Like, you know, and like, like the videos are only going to help us let us know like, Hey, you can go heavier, you can go lighter, or we shouldn't be doing this at all. Yeah. You know, for the most part. So that's where I think the, the videos right away or, you know, are going to help us, like you said, learn the athlete right away. Cause mm -hmm. like, sometimes kids will send videos and they're doing the movement and it's like, all right, was that your warm up? Cause like you're holding 10 pound dumbbells and you're doing lunges. Mm -hmm you know, and you're 18 years old, it's like, dude, that's, that's not doing anything. Like right. I like, did you send me your warm up set? Like, so then you send it to them. They're like, Oh no, that was you know, my last set. And it's just like, all right, well now I can see why we're, we're not really getting any stronger. It's like, right. dude, you were holding 10 pound dumbbells, like, and you're, yeah. you're doing legs. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. You know, or you, like you said, you get a video and the kid just got actually stapled to the floor doing, you know, a yoke bar or whatever. And it's just like, all right, dude, six like, reps, you're like, yeah, I only got two of them. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> man, I need you to, I need you to go a little bit less weight with that. Cause yeah. like, yeah, like you said, there's, you know, five reps and you managed to maybe get two clean and, and then you didn't even get the third one up. So it's yeah. like, all right. Yeah. So like you said, just knowing that that you have and, you know, that first couple of weeks is, you know, a good way to really kind of see what you got, you know, all right, if this kid's going to just go super, super heavy what can I give him to where he can't like go super, super heavy without me like being there to kind of keep an eye on him, but he can still get his work or have his fun type thing, you know? Yeah. So it's just like, know your athlete and then how to program to give them what they kind of like or what they want, but it's, 
in your basically fashion, should I say, yeah. type thing. So, um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing is just knowing the athlete and know their schedule and the communication is the biggest thing as well. Like here right now, um, with as much as the high schoolers play, it's constantly just checking in weekly, like, hey, how many games this week? Is it two, three? You know, one, you know, if it's one game, then it's like, all right, maybe let's get a little bit more extra, you know, strength work in, you know, or if it's like, all right, you got three games this week. It's like, all right, let's just, you know, maybe do one good strength workout and then maybe just do maybe a little bit more of like a hybrid, you know, restore some movement, just get you feeling better at the end of the week type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's another big thing too, is just, you know, know the athlete, know their position and then just communicate with them is the, the biggest thing. Yeah. No, yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Definitely just. Make sure we communicate and have like open and honest conversations with the kid about how they're doing. Um, because the other thing and the other side of things is just like the mental part of baseball can definitely have a huge toll on these kids. And it's like, mm-hmm. it may not be the physical stress that they have on the field, but it may be the mental stress of the kid that isn't getting to play or the kid that feels like he's supposed to be a top five round draft pick and he is just way underperforming. Um, I know we've kind of dealt with both of those on opposite ends of the spectrum um, last year specifically, but um, yeah, it's definitely a tough thing. And that's where you can kind of like, I feel like for me, cause I kind of had, I had like went through that a little bit, like my junior year of college and Detroit, like, I feel like I can like, you have these, like, it's like generally like in the way we have very like surface level conversations, like, how are you doing? Like this kind of stuff and stuff like that, but you don't really like the kids don't really get to know us all that much. So I feel like when that happens or like in stuff like that we can really have and like dig deep into those conversations with those kids and then the kids are like okay like i'm not the only one that's gone through this like mm-hmm. other every like everybody goes through this though. like everybody i feel like in their whether they're in high school or like their four-year college career everybody goes through a point in their baseball career like i don't know if like i love this or like this is really hard and like and kind of just goes through all the ups and downs and the emotions and stuff like that so definitely like for me, at least being ha- able to have like those open conversations with the kid, come in the office, pull them aside on the gym floor, ask them how they're doing and stuff like that. Just because everybody, because I feel like so many strength coaches, just how are you feeling body-wise? Good? Okay, cool. Perfect. Let's lift. And you're just like, I don't know why this kid is not getting any stronger. This kid is just, this kid doesn't look like he wants to be here. Like, mm-hmm. So trying to just figure out the reason why, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, that's that's 100 percent it. That's um, you know, baseball is physical, and I would say even more mental, because mm-hmm. um, just how many times you fail and it's considered normal. Right. You know, yeah. you can go up to bat ten times, get two to three hits, and that was actually considered good. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas the other way around, other sports, it's that'd be bad. Right. <laughs> um, so mental mental toughness, or I I don't even really like that term when it comes to yeah. to baseball, um, but. I mean, I think it's it's almost even harder, I think, at that, that college level to an extent, too, because especially, you know, you have guys that are going to school out of state away from families. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a big one, too, is, you know, kids are away from home for the first time. Um, so that fall semester is just complete, uh, you know, eye opener to some of these guys. So they have that stress. And then, like you said, you know, you might have been the best high school, you, know, you might have been the best player at your high school and you show up to college and, you know, you go out there that first week of practice and another big eye opener. You're no longer the best player on your team, mm-hmm. you know, and then you have a different style of classes. And then, you know, you're having to try and figure out, manage time for yourself and get yourself to, you know, all these different things and study hall and weightlifting and this and that. You don't have your parents to, you know, do all this stuff for you. So I think that mental thing at the next level is, I think, really the the one that separates a lot of people their first fall um, is just because, you know, you just, 
you see it too. You see how many guys that, you know, they go to school, they're ready to play baseball. And then by Christmas, they're done. Yeah. You know, they've either quit, they were cut, you know, or they're just like, yeah, it wasn't for me. And then you have the few that were like, all right, like they got after it and they were prepared for it and they were ready for it. So I think that next level mental um, jump is a, is a really big one, but then obviously it still happens in high school. Big, like you said, you know, you have, especially here in Arizona too, where there's a lot of guys that their junior, senior year, they're, they're draft level guys. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, you maybe have a few of those in other, you know, maybe cold weather States or something like that. Whereas here there's, you know, maybe a draftable guy on, I would say every high school team here, it seems yeah. like it's crazy, yeah. you know, and then especially now That's too, is I think high school, I think there's a little bit more, you know, mental side to it too, with all the PBR publicity, the perfect game stuff, sure. rankings, and all the rankings. Yeah. So yeah, kids get caught up into that as well. So that puts unnecessary pressure on, on guys. Um, and then obviously, you know, you're competing against your friends and, you know, I would say Arizona baseball is pretty competitive at the high school mm-hmm. level where, you know, you get some kids that, you know, they come off their club team fresh as an eighth grader and they're going into the freshman year thinking they're, you know, top dog. And then they get put freshman team and it's just like, well, what? And it's just like, well, yeah, man, like you got guys four years older than you. And, yeah. you know, if you're 110 pounds and this kid's 170, like, unless you're really, really, really good, mm-hmm. like, and still able to throw and hit as far as that guy that's bigger than you, like, yeah. You know who are they gonna who are they gonna play? They're gonna play the kid that's older, bigger, and faster. You know, like yeah. their swings might look the same, but he's older and his ball ball goes further. You know, those yeah. kind of things. So, I think the the mental thing is is a really big one though, and just being able to to manage it and like you said, find find some sources or resources that you can reach out to that you you trust and you know if you have stuff that's you know wearing on you, get it off your chest. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah, I was it's gonna on. say, what tips like would you give to someone who's struggling mentally? Like, I know everyone's different, but like, what would like what was something that you would say to them or do? Like, you know, whether I, that's like it's, just it's, zoning it's, out or like yeah, lifting it's, it's, heavy. I would or... say it's easier to say than do. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody's always just like clear it and wash it, and you know, that's that's really tough to do. But I mean, it, it is kind of one of those things that comes down to it. It's like. You can't get caught up in the stats. You can't get caught up in like all the, you know, outside world distractions. It's like, you just, you got to trust what you did in the off season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got to always trust yourself. You got to be your, you know, you got to be your biggest fan, but at the same time, still your, you know, your toughest critic, mm-hmm. um, I think is a big thing too. And I think that's one thing that, you know, kids mentally kind of get diluted as well as, you know, they might, they might actually think they're better than what they are. And it's like, no, you gotta be honest with yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think when that maybe happens a little bit too, then that, that mental side kind of eases itself a little bit too, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, all right, you know, you, you think you're up here, but you're really down here. And you actually start right. realizing that and thinking that that might help you a little bit as well. But um, I think the biggest thing is, is find teammates that you, you trust and can talk to. Yeah. Um, I think that's a big one. You know, you're with them probably more than your own family, especially yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, you know, if you have a really good head coach or coach that you like, mm-hmm. try and talk to your coach and, you know, it doesn't even necessarily have to be about like playing time. It could just be, you know, it could just be a simple talk about like your yeah. home life or, you know, stuff like that, you know, that, that's what's bugging you or what's going on. But yeah, um, I think the biggest thing is you just can't, can't sit in silence. You yeah. know, you got to talk to, talk to somebody or, you know, mm-hmm. you got to do something, you know, meditation, it. something. Yeah. I remember too talking to a bunch of the pro guys, um, just different ones on our podcast. And I feel like they all found like a sense of like mental control in their routine. So mm-hmm. like that was something that they could control. And they like, like, I think it was Tyler Rogers said that like he had the specific a block he had to do every single time mm-hmm. and like music that he listened to and like he had control over that. So he felt like he'd done everything he could at that point that it was like, a sense of peace like before he went out there i don't know i thought that was interesting like 
a bunch of guys said their routine was like what gave just them just like that, a reset every day that sense of control mentally that's what i yeah. think uh, i think a lot of hitters do it too you know like when it's end game too and you have that like you feel like you're starting to get anxious or the the mental the mental side starting to get away from you you know have like a focal point you know something that you can yeah. stare at and like you said kind of get your zen back um like guys like i've heard would talk about like you know if they're hitting they'd step out of the box look at like a foul pole or you know look at a certain thing on their bat something like that just mm -hmm. kind of like zone them back in pitchers mm -hmm. would have the same thing you know they they do something with the mound stuff like that yeah um but yeah i think it ultimately comes that was one thing i preached to a lot of my high schoolers too is um set a routine early mm -hmm. um you know whether it's a daily routine or a pitching routine or mm -hmm. everything you know like yeah and that's like they like you just said with the, the pro guys that's something i've i've noticed too that they do really well is mm -hmm. it's everything is you know laid out and that only makes it easier on your your like you said the mental side because you're not stressing around thinking about what you have to do what you right. gotta get i gotta done. make this change because this didn't go the way I wanted mm -hmm. yesterday, and then it's yeah. just jumbled. I think it was, I don't know if it was like Bill Gates or Steve Jobs or something like that. They like, they basically wear the same thing like every day. Yeah. Because that's something that they don't have to think about now ever. Right. About what they're going to like wear that day. That's less yeah. brain power they have to spend on figuring out what outfit they're going to wear. And they can actually now spend that, you know, energy right. elsewhere on stuff that's actually important to mm -hmm. them. So it's like, it's literally simple things just like that, where mm -hmm. it's like, you know, if you have a game the next day, Get your uniform ready the night before. Mm -hmm. You know, get your food ready. Get get everything ready. So, so that you're not like running around crazy. Exactly. And that way, morning yeah. a game, your uniform's ready, your food's ready, and then now all you have to do is just focus on getting to your game and playing your game. Versus like you just said, oh my socks are in the dryer, my hat's upstairs, my belt's under my bed. You know, like my dog took my pants outside. You know, and you're sitting there scrambling around, yeah. and then you get to the game, you're rushed, you're fluttered, and then you wonder else. why you just went 0 for four with three Ks and you know pop up to the catcher. Right. Well, it's like yeah, you mentally were not there from the moment you woke up to game time. So it's yeah. just like, you know, the more you can literally just set yourself up for success you're only going to see those kind of repeated occurrences. Right. You know, if you set yourself up to fail, that's probably what's going to happen a little bit more often than not. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, I think routine and, um, I think even with guys here, like there's some guys that show up at the same time every day, like, yeah, and they food yeah. every day, like lunch, yeah. like everything is the exact same from day to day. And then it's like, I, I can see why you were as consistent as you are because right. it's just like, your whole day is pretty much planned out for the most part, yeah. you know? So it's just like, yeah, the, it's interesting. the more structure you have, I feel like the, the yeah. better setup you are going to be moving forward for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. I think, I think for the, like the kids that are at a university or the kids that aren't at home or stuff like that, like sometimes, at least I found it for me, like sometimes it's tough to be around your teammates all the time just mm -hmm. because they'll be like, okay, like he didn't pitch well yesterday. Like I don't really want to talk to him. Like don't want to set him off or something like that. Yeah. And you kind of like, you feel it like you like you know your teammates are might be avoiding you or talking about you talking about yeah. you yeah like it's it's noticeable so like for me like i tried to make sure that i had like a group of friends that were not baseball players that were maybe other athletes or um or just they just went to school at gonzaga just because they're not gonna like treat you any different like they like other athletes like you it, you may it, you may it makes you realize that like whether you play volleyball, you play soccer, you play basketball, it's like you have the same ups and downs that every that that baseball has. Every like every sport has its ups and downs. So yeah. knowing just making sure and like knowing that you're not alone, like people that like know what you're going through is like it's super nice. Especially like it, it's kind of a breath of fresh air to get away from. You sometimes get away from your teammates, get a, get away from baseball, and just kind of have your own little community outside of 
baseball yeah. to kind of gel with and talk with and stuff like that. So that worked for That's me. But. Yeah, that worked for me too. Um, I wasn't a baseball player, but yeah, no, that's, that's, yeah. That's, a, that's a really good call out. It's like, yeah, just having a, a circle outside your, your main circle that mm-hmm. you can, you know, go to and talk to. And yeah, like they said, don't expect even, anything. Yeah, just like you said, even just hang out, you know, because like say sometimes, you know, you get something away from baseball and all your baseball buddies are doing something, then it's like, what are you going to do? You're just going to sit in your room by yourself. So it's, it's always good to yeah. sometimes have, like you said, friends that are not necessarily on the team. Yeah. Cause I know in high school, I ended up transferring uh, my sophomore year to my junior year because my mom ended up moving. So I had to move districts. So I would say my junior and senior year, I would say my closest circle was still all of my friends and buddies from the first high school I went to because they were the ones that I grew up with, you know, right. pretty much my whole childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and none of them even played baseball. So it was right. like, that was kind of like you just said that, nice. you know, as soon as I was done with baseball and all the stuff that I was, this current school I was at in high school, like as soon as school was over or like the weekends, I was hanging out with almost all of my buddies and friends from my old school and childhood because it was like, like you just need that separation. Cause like you said, it's like you spend every day, all day with them. And then, you know, like you said, as soon as something maybe starts going wrong on the team, you know, you get the teammates that chirp and team chemistry maybe gets thrown yeah. off a little bit. And it's like, you know, like, on the weekend, I don't, you don't want to be a part of that. You know, you want to just go and be able to be Reset. drama free and, you know, be stress free. So it's like, I'm just going to go hang out with people that have no idea what's going on on the baseball team, right. you know? So it's nice to have that little like mental getaway um, and not get caught up in all of the he said, she said type things. So. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Good, good <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>